0: Good morning, everybody, and I know it sounds, I know it sounds, you know, kind of like a typical thing to say, this is the door that the the, the day that the Lord has made, let us rejoice and be glad in it, but this is the day that the Lord has made, and uh, we are rejoicing and pretty glad in it, praise God. So I want to start a brief series this morning called Living with Vision, Living your life with vision. You can live with vision, and you can live without vision. Um, But God has called us to be a people who live with vision. So I want to give a brief beginning to this message this morning. And I've chosen as my uh, verse that I want to use to start with, Hebrews chapter 11. So if you're a note taker, it's Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. I'm using the ESV, the English Standard Version. So listen to this. I'm just going to go ahead and read it, and then we'll begin. Hebrews 11, 13. And I should probably set this up. Uh, The author of Hebrews is writing about the great men and women of God who followed the Lord back in the Old Testament. Abraham, Moses, um, the prophets of God, uh, Sarah, different great people of faith who had a vision and followed the Lord uh, with that vision that God put in their heart. So listen to what the Lord says about them and about their following the vision that God gave them. All these people died in faith, not having received the things that were promised, but having seen them. That's important. Seen them and greeted them from afar, And having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people that speak like this make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. And if they had been mindful and thinking about that land from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And so you, can, you get the picture of Moses leading the children of Israel. They come out of Egypt. Their hearts are filled with the word of the Lord that Moses has spoken to them. They envision this promised land, this better country. And so those great stories of men and women of vision and of faith throughout the Old Testament are really stories of of people's reaching out for the Messiah. They They are reaching out for the Lord to fulfill the promise he gave to Abraham, bring the Messiah into the world. But it says that those people in the Old Testament, they died stretched out, reaching for that Fulfillment of that vision, but it never came in their lifetime. Nonetheless, they lived pursuing that vision. The Bible says that because of the way they handled that vision, they didn't turn around and go back to the land that they came out of. Speaking specifically of the slaves of uh, former slaves of Egypt, I mean, some of them did; they died in the wilderness. But those that entered the promised land went for that vision, and they fought those battles. And they entered into that land praise god and so living with a vision your future isn't in front of you it's in you think about it people go out in life all the time looking for their future they seek it um They pay attention to commercials. They listen at school. They look at people that catch their attention. They're looking for their future, looking for the plan for their life. They're reaching out. But your future, God has put it in you. You're not going to find it out there. You're going to find it inside you. God put your future in you when you became his. When Jesus became Lord of your life, God planted that future. You need look no further than your relationship with him. Seeing, seeing the future that God has put in you is what we call vision. Vision is seeing your future. One form or another, we don't see every detail, but we generally, God gives us something to focus on, and it propels us through life, and it's something that's within us. Now, people who know Jesus, people who know the Lord, they're people who live with a vision. Every Christian is somebody, a man or a woman, a young person, who lives with a vision. And you're going to follow your vision into your future. Whatever your vision is, you're going to follow it. It's where you're going to end up one way or another You'll follow your vision into your future. So please, don't let the world give you your vision because you're going to end up where the world ends up. If you follow the vision that the devil gives you, you're going to end up destroyed. If you follow the, the vision that the world gives you, you're going to end up where the world always ends up. And you think, well, that's not so bad. Well, yeah, but that, that's because you're paying too much attention to television. Uh, the fact is, is that 99% of the world over the past 6,000 years, has died hoping for death. The world has not produced a great vision for its people. That's why God puts your future in you. It's his future. So becoming born again, when you become born again, um, God furnishes you with a personal sense of divine summons. He is the king of glory and When you become born again, there's a sense that enters literally into you and you feel summoned before the Most High God. And your vision rests inside that sense of being summoned. It's a gripping purpose that orients you forward with a realization of significance in your life. You realize there's value. You might have been the person that squandered or goofed up your life, or too many people put you down and you believed it, or whatever it is, you might not have had a great opinion of yourself. But when you were born again, God put that summons in you. When you follow it and you move forward, a realization of your significance, of your worth before God, arrives in your heart, and through it, you embrace service to God and to men. That's why Christians are people who follow a vision. They follow a vision. They, they know that they are nothing, but they know that everything that is great and heavenly and good lives within them, praise the Lord. And that's vision. So for, therefore, vision is the most indispensable element of the Christian faith. Nothing more necessary to your faith follow, as a follower of Jesus than that you have vision. Now, Proverbs 29 and 18, you've probably heard it. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. You might have one of the other translations that translate the word perish as they cast off restraint. One of them says they go wild. So without a vision, people go wild. Without a vision, people perish. They go over the cliff without a vision. Get the picture of it. They cast off restraint. We don't want these restrictions. As Jesse was saying earlier, we don't want to be encumbered. We don't want to be enslaved. We don't want to be bound by these truths. Who's God? Who are they? Who are those Christians? Who's that church? They throw off restraint, and they run wild. Into perdition, into destruction. So, without vision, people perish. Without vision, people become fatigued. Without vision, now I want you to think about Christians. There's a vision in you, but sometimes we stop looking at it. It's there, but it might as well not be there because you're living like it's not there. It is there. The gifts and callings of God are something he never changes his mind about. That's what it means when it says gift and calling of God without repentance. In other words, God gives a gift, gives a calling, he doesn't take it back. That calling follows you through life. So you can ignore it, but it doesn't leave you. The vision that God puts in you is there, but there are Christians who ignore maybe they were on fire for God for a while but something happened and they got diverted. And as they've become diverted, they are living now like there is no vision even though it's there. For all intent purposes in the natural, it's as though it's not there. They're like living, and they're perishing as a result, or they're throwing off restraint. Can you imagine a reality show Christians gone wild? I, listen, after all these decades that I've been passing, I could fill up a movie script with a whole bunch of examples of Christians gone wild. So when we, when we forsake vision, when we... Um, uh, don't pay attention to the vision that God wants to put us. We become fatigued. We be- the world wears us out. We become demoralized. We become fearful. Uh, we become compromised. We become compromised. Worn down would be a way, I think, of describing it. And everybody I know who follows Jesus hits those patches the doldrums. You hit that spot in your life and just you can't seem to focus on what the word of the Lord is for you. You can't seem to get your hands on that vision. And you're adrift. You're just demoralized. You're worn out. You still believe in Jesus. You know God is good. You say it, God is good. But you don't feel very good. And uh, that vision, you need to be restored reconnected to the vision that God is putting in you. Listen. As I said before, there's nothing more critical to your faith than you focusing on the vision that God has given you. If you don't, your faith goes flat, it goes nowhere. Your vision is where God refreshes you. Oftentimes we get ourselves in a place where we're in the doldrum, so to speak. We're we're sliding sideways, and it's, you know, once you get there unless you make an absolute effort to turn around and get back into the presence of God, you'll just keep drifting. That's how it is. So vision is how God brings you back into your happy place with the Lord. That's how you get back to the happy places. You've got to go back to that vision. That's the orientation. It's the GPS that the Holy Spirit installed in you when you were born again. Go back to the vision of God and let him put you back in the race, and he'll put energy back in you. That's how Christians get what they call it revival. But, the, but really, the fact of the matter is is that uh, it wasn't some whiz-bang awesome service that you went to that, that revival in your life came, came to you through. Well, that might have been where it happened, but how it happened, how it actually took place was you put your eyes back on the vision of God. And when you did, God re-energized you Praise the Lord. The world's draining you, but God wants to get you back into that vision. In the book of Amos in the Old Testament, chapter 8, verse 11, 11 through 13, actually, it says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. And men will stagger from sea to sea and wander from the north to the east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. And in that day, the lovely young women and the strong young men will faint because of their thirst. Now, Amos is not talking about a time after Jesus has risen from the dead because the Holy Spirit's in the earth. And the Word of God is covering the earth like the waters cover the sea. But Amos was prophesying about a time that was about to hit Israel when there would be a famine for hearing the Word of the Lord. And what happens when you don't have vision? You stagger from sea to sea. You look at the population, say, Dolly, I've just flip the news on, and you think, what is this mess? It's people staggering from sea to sea. They're staggering. Why? No vision. No vision. Listen, Satan understands the importance of robbing people of their vision in order to disconnect them from God and from their future. Like I said, he knows where God's GPS is in your life. You know, everything God makes, he makes with a purpose. God never made anything, and the angel said, what is it? And God said, I really don't know. I just had some leftover stuff, and so I made that. God never pointed to anything and said, there was something left over, I just made that. It doesn't really have a purpose. God makes everything with a specific purpose. God's universe is all interconnected and interlocking. Everything has a purpose, including you. You might have surprised your mama but you didn't surprise God. You may have been surprised a surprise to your mother, but you weren't a surprise to God. God knew you were coming. God sent you. You came into this world with a personal purpose. God birthed you into this world with a purpose. Now, you might have spent the first several years completely oblivious to that purpose or even rebelling against it like I did or many of the rest of you did. But that purpose is there. God has designed you and put you in the world with a purpose. Now, you're probably thinking of some horrible people that you know and thinking, what kind of purpose that's any good do they have? Well, people that rebel against God's purpose and turn their hearts towards evil purposes can become very good at it. They might have been very, very good at doing righteous and godly and holy things, but but as it is, they're very good at doing terrible things. Um, so, God has a purpose with your name on it, and that purpose begins with you receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior and the Holy Spirit putting His vision in you and then teaching you how to see it. So, I want to finish this morning by sharing four basic, simple things that the Holy Spirit uses to teach you how to live with a vision. And that's, these four things begin with number one, dare. Dare to look for your vision. Many people are afraid to look for a purpose, a divine purpose. They're just, for whatever reason, they just don't have any courage to believe that they have a purpose. But number one, dare. Dare to look for your vision. Don't just let your flesh or other people lead you through life. How many people out there leading their lives by their flesh? Their flesh just leads them every day. Or let (coughs) what other people tell them to do, lead them through life. They just follow what, what the world tells them. Don't let your flesh lead you through life. There is a vision for you. Find it god has it find it now <clears throat> vision always comes or emanates from purpose that's what grows vision that's the ground that grows vision is purpose god has a purpose now satan is in the world satan has purposes and he lo- and he grows visions out of his purposes but every true vision comes from purpose Good, holy, righteous purposes produce a healthy vision that leads you into God's plan. But um, likewise, evil purposes produce corrupt vision that leads you into destruction. And so look, you can watch people, how they live their lives, and if you look at how they live their lives, their lives will reveal the nature of the purpose That produces the vision they're following. Jesus said it like this the tree is known by its fruit. The tree is known by its fruit. You can tell what the purpose is that someone is following by that you can the nature, the nature of the the purpose that's fueling their vision just by looking at how they live their life. It tells all that you need to know. So listen, go. And seek your vision first in the Gospels. I know this sounds, this can sound a little abstract and overwhelming. Say, where do I start? What is a vision? You might be thinking of Isaiah or Ezekiel or people that had these supernatural visions of God. Well, I'm not necessarily talking about that. You could have that kind of a vision. But a, a vision is just something God shows you about your future, it's how you see yourself as you look ahead. And vision comes from purpose, so start in the Word of God. Find out what God's Word says about you as a follower of Jesus Christ. Learn what the calling you have as a Christian is. Start there. That's where your vision begins. Every Christian has the same vision, to take up the cross and to follow Jesus, and to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's that's the general, that'll get you corralled in to the general direction that God wants to go. So start there. Your vision for marriage, for family, for business, your vision for happiness, all begins by searching in the scriptures. What does God say about happiness? What does God say about business? What's He say about family? What's He say about marriage? What does God say about seeking purpose? Find out. Those scriptures will begin to talk to you. You find somebody who knows they have a vision in life, they'll have two or three or more verses that are life verses that God has spoken to them through. And those verses will be their verses. They'll carry them through life. It says in Proverbs 3 and 6, In all of your ways, know and recognize and acknowledge the Lord, and He will direct and make straight and plain your paths. So number one is dare, dare to look for your vision. Number two, define, define your vision. In the book of Habakkuk, in the Old Testament, chapter two, God said, write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so that he may run who reads it. For still the vision waits for its appointed time but it is running it is hastening to the end and it will not lie if it seems slow wait for it and it will surely come it will not delay and so write the vision habit was told by god write the vision make it plain so that the one for whom the vision is when they read it they may run keep a keep a notepad Keep a couple of them. Keep them with you. Put one in your car. When you go to pray, take a notepad. Write what God tells you. If God starts showing you things, write it. Write it down. The discipline of writing, especially things that the Lord shows you, even if it's a verse of Scripture, write it out. I know everybody wants to use the digital devices. That's fine. But there's something about the muscle... Grabbing on writing instrument and writing it out, it forces your mind in, into that discipline of writing those thoughts out. And the mind works faster than the hand with a pen in it. So your mind is having to think about what you're going to put down next. It causes you to look to God and say, Holy Spirit, show me. Show me what this means. Show me what it is. In the writing out of the things that God speaks to you, clarity will come. Let me say to you, God is detailed. God is very detailed. And He loves sharing His detail, details with His children who come to Him asking for wisdom. In James 1.5, you know the scripture that says, But if anyone is deficient in wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and without reprimand, and it will be given to him." In other words, God loves sharing details. How many of us ask for those details? How many of us go to God and say, Lord, I need some detail on this? I've got a sense of something. Speak to me. God loves to share details with you. You know, God's vision for your life is only a mystery to people who won't ask Him for details. So ask, and the Lord will be happy to show you. So dare and, praise God, define... And number three, declare, declare, declare your vision. Two sections to this thought about declaring. The first is that the vision God has given you is the way he wants you to shine. Think about it. The vision that God crystallizes in your heart is how you are supposed to shine. Giselle, God has a way for her to shine. God doesn't want her to try to be Glenn. He doesn't want her to try to be Barbara. He doesn't want her to try to be me. We can inspire other people by our example, but people shouldn't try to be you. God has a vision for you, and it's the way He wants you to shine. If God shows you a purpose and a plan, He shows you a career path, He shows you a ministry, something He wants you to do. Oftentimes, God's vision comes in incremental steps. He shows you one or two steps. You, in the process of doing those, God shows you the next steps. But you're following, you're living with a vision. The vision God gives you for your life is how you are supposed to shine for Him. Oftentimes, too often, Christians see other people who they think are just wonderful Christians. They think, I'm nothing. I want, I should be like her. Um, But the reality is is that the best you'll ever be for God is for you to fulfill the vision that He gives you because it's how He created you to express yourself. Don't hide your vision. If If God's given you a vision for your life, don't hide it. Declare it. Express it. In Matthew 5, 14 through 16, Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men. What does that mean? It means express your vision. Tell who you are. God has always helped people to express the vision that he has for them. When the Lord called Abraham, his name was Abram, which means exalted father. The man was 75 years old. His wife was barren, and, you know, they had no kids. Yet, every day, he had to get up and tell his neighbors and tell his friends when he, when he met people, rather, he had to tell them, well, they said, what's your name? My name is <clears throat> Exalted Father. Oh, no kidding. How many kids have you got? And it was humiliating. So when God meets him, what's God's vision for Abram's life? His name's Abram, Exalted Father. What's God's vision for his life? I'm, I'm going to make this man the father of many nations, not just a bunch of sons, but out of his loins is going to come many nations millions of people, more than the stars of the heavens. So God meets him. God starts to talk that vision to Abram, and the Lord says, you know, I'm going to help you with this. we got to do something about that name. I'm sure Abram was going, oh, thank God. I'm so embarrassed. This is, we got to do something. The Lord's going to adjust this. I'm tired of living with this humility. God said, yeah, we've got we to jack this up a little bit. From now on, your name's Abraham. And Abraham's like, oh no, Abraham! Abraham means father of a multitude. It's going to be even worse. Abraham goes to the deli. Motion the deli says, so what? What's going to be? Uh, what's going to be this week? And uh, Abram, uh my no, my name's not Abram anymore. Oh, you finally got with the program. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's Abraham. Abraham. See, God helps you. Declare your vision. What did he do when he met Peter? He said, "We've got to change your name. Your name is Petros, a piece of the rock." See, God saw what Peter was, and He gave him a name to fit that description. He's done that with a lot of people. Did it with Saul of Tarsus. Praise the Lord. So God helps us to express the vision that God gives us. But declare it. Don't hide it. Praise God. I like to I like to say it like this. Always be humble enough to be uncool before the world. What do I mean by that? See, if you're going to express God's vision for your life, you know people in the world are going to go, "Oh my God, one of those." Right? And you don't want that. Who wants people to be like rolling their, right? You don't want people to be rolling their eyes. Oh, one of those church nuts. So we like to kind of hide it, and we like to do a like a, a makeover, you know, so the world sees that we're cool. Well, what is cool? Cool is kind of standing aloof. Noncommittal. Cool is... Man, I don't don't set any boundaries for people. I want everybody to like me. Right? So, be humble enough to resist appearing too enlightened to commit to Jesus. Just let people know you're a Jesus nut. Just, you know what I'm saying? Just let them know. Just, you know, what's your vision of yourself? Bless God. I'm a man of God. Love Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, we do that in church. We get in church and say, oh, praise the Lord. I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. And then we go out to lunch. Praise God. And all of a sudden, big change, big change. And we put on the other persona, how we want to be perceived. Put all that off and be humble enough to declare your vision. Now, the second part of declaring your vision and being bold about it, in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 24, listen to this awesome verse. The Lord of hosts has sworn, quote, I have planned, so shall it be. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. Wow, that's what God said. As I have purposed, so shall it stand I declare it. I declare it. So look, God has sworn that the vision of his purpose will stand. He's come right out. Sworn. This is my purpose. Because God backs his vision. And he swears my purpose will stand. So go ahead and quote him. Declare the vision God's given you. You're quoting God who said my purpose will stand. When God gives you a vision, He's already sworn that it's going to come to pass. He's already stood behind it and said, I swear it's done. It's coming to pass. So, quote God, quote Him. You've got heaven's authority standing behind you. God has sworn to act on His declared purpose. When God says it, it's, it's happening. It's coming. Praise the Lord. And if you're faithful to that vision, you're going to be a part of it. Look, if you want to see God act in your life, declare the vision that he has given you because he has sworn to take action on that vision. Number four, we're going to close with this one. So we've got uh, dare. We've got... Somebody help me. Good. Define. Declare and defend. Defend the vision that God has given you. You know, every reason why you're incapable or you shouldn't be qualified for the vision God's given you is going to get thrown against you. Get ready to defend it. Get ready to defend it. In Romans chapter 4, Verse 18, talking about Abraham. Remember we talked earlier, Abraham's 75 years old, I'm going to make you a father of a multitude. And his wife's barren. He eventually does have one son, Isaac, and out of him all these nations come. He's 99 years old, his wife's 90. When it happens, but the Bible tells the story of how Abraham is declaring and defending what God has said to him. Listen to this, Romans 4.18. Against hopelessness, So you need to defend the vision against the hopelessness that the devil wants to come after you with. Against hopelessness, Abraham believed in hope with the result that he became the father of many nations according to what God had said, so shall your descendants be. And without being weak in faith, he didn't consider his own body as dead because he was about 100 years old or the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver in unbelief concerning the promise of God, but he was strengthened in faith by giving glory, by giving praise to God because he was fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able to do. Defend the vision that God has given you. Listen, never let Satan use lies or facts to make you quit the vision God has given you. Because if lies won't work against you, he'll use facts against you. And don't let either facts or lies turn you away from God's vision for you. Every dream of God, every dream of God, for every one of them, there are tons of dream killers. It's just the way it is. You declare a dream for God, here come the dream killers coming out of the woodwork. And they'll come right at you. I remember when I was 19, uh, 1920, right around there. The Lord had, I, I was caught up in the spirit. I saw a vision. God spoke to me. It was August 1975. And the Lord said, I want you to take your family, pull up your roots here in Clearwater, Florida. And I want you to go 1,500 miles away. I saw a vision of a the city, New Haven, Connecticut. I'm sending you to New Haven, Connecticut, Yale University, and I'm going to build a church. I'm calling you to go and plant this ministry. And I saw, th- saw the whole thing unfold in this dream as we were li- living in an apartment right next to the Thunderbird Drive-In and Texas Chainsaw Massacre was on. <laughs> we didn't have air conditioning, so it was pouring through the windows. I was... All the screaming and the... I never saw the movie. Well, I saw it every night, heard it every night, whether I wanted to or not, but I'm praying, Lord, what are you saying for me to do? I get caught up in the spirit as the screams drift off and the Lord shows me. I'm calling you. I'm sending you. You're to go in the month of October. You have two months to get ready. And we went, praise the Lord. The Lord built a phenomenal ministry that went around the world. It was just... Awesome, what God did over the next 15 16 years. Um, but I remember all I had was that vision that was it 19 years old, could barely grow any facial hair, and um, no successes, quote unquote, no backing, no plan, no nothing other than God's plan. And I had a friend, um, his name was Doug, and he was a Christian. And I remember Doug getting me and, and saying to me, he got right in my face, and he said, with all the f- reason of fact, why in the world would God send you up there? Doesn't he have people up there that he can use? Why would he send you? And when he said it, you know, it just, you could feel all the, the rocks of, yeah, what's wrong with you? you know, of reason. But I'll tell you, I just batted him away. Uh, and I remember saying to him, well, apparently I'm listening. So, <laughs> and that was it. Uh, you know, I'm listening. I don't know about anybody else. See, that's, if, if you're going to follow the vision God gives you, you can't listen to other people. You know, it doesn't matter what you say or you say. If I know that God has said something. God has said something. And I have, I've got to pay attention to that. And and I remember, that was not the only time, but every time in our lives that we've ever had God tell us to do something, the devil screams through the circumstances or through close friends. or He, he has those dream killers that just stand up and tell you. And that's a, te- that's a good test. God does not protect you from the dream killers. Good. Let those storms come. Let the hail blow. Let it come. That little sapling of a tree... It's never going to last if you keep staking it up and, and making that artificial thing so it stands. Cut those lines and let the wind blow the thing all over the place. If it lives, praise God, if it dies, it wasn't strong enough. You know I mean, where is the courage among Christians? Where Where is it? Why do we need all these artificial props? And so the enemy's going to come after, That vision that God wants to give to you, and you must defend it. You're too old. You're too young. You're too poor. You're too rich. You're too dumb. You're too smart. All these reasons why that vision can't really be God. Why does God want to use you to do these things? You're too damaged. Uh, You're too flawless. One extreme or the other. The vision is too soon. The vision's too late. The vision's too big. The vision's too small. All of these things are going to line up against the vision that God puts in you about you. But the vision is the thing you need to listen to. That's the voice of God. It's God's, and God has an answer, and I'll close with this verse. God's answer for all of these rationalizations for why you shouldn't embrace the vision God is trying to give you. It's found in 1 Corinthians 15.10. A man who who, if he let reason and let the world tell him not to follow what the Lord called him to do, we would not have most of the Bible. His name was the Apostle Paul. And Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I am what I am by the grace of God, and His grace towards me has not been in vain. In fact, I worked harder than all the rest of the apostles, yet not I, but the grace of God worked within me. Praise the Lord. If you live with God's vision within you, His grace will be with you throughout your entire life. And when you leave this world, your life will be part of Jesus' resurrection testimony. And God has called us to live with vision. So I'm going to put a chip clip on this and stop here, and we'll come back next week, pick it up. I'd like you to close your Bible, stand with me, and let's pray concerning